The old lady put her bloody saw down so she could rest. She lit a cigarette and asked which podcast I like best. Well, my favorite podcast is Sometimes Dad is Better. Dad is Better. Sometimes Dad is Better. Hello, and welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And this is me, Chris. And me, Kristen. Hey, it's Brian. Oh, oh no, who let him in? <laughs> I'm back. Brian's back. More horror movies. <laughs> I'm hooked now. <laughs> That's all I want to talk worked. about. <laughs> That's it? Yep. yep, I've been converted. All right, well, first, Chris, let's... Um... Well, let's acknowledge that we have a very special episode on our hands. We have a three... Podcasters. <laughs> Never been done. Right. Never been done. Somebody called it a threesome. <laughs> yeah, that's what Chris called it. Right. Uh, we're going to start, and Brian's going to join it later. <laughs> oh. Oops. <laughs> okay, so first... I'm just going to watch. <laughs> let's, I guess, talk about what we've been watching. Right. Do you want to go first? or You go first. Okay. Um, well, I watched recently uh, the new... Uh, Netflix. Well, it's not that new, but on Netflix, the Stephen King movie, 1922. Okay, starring, yeah, it's been out for a little while. Yeah, starring Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane's in that? Thomas Jane is certainly in it. Uh, and then a bunch of other actors that... Um, it doesn't have a huge cast, really. He's I just of, want my kids back. <laughs> right, right? Yeah. Wait, what? It's from Arrested <laughs> Development. So this is a... Is this a Netflix production? Yeah, it's a Netflix I've never original. Heard of this. So it's called 1922? Yeah. It's, it's a Stephen King Yeah, joint? it's based on like a Stephen King... <laughs> Uh, like novella, oh. uh, which uh, I've read. Like an old I, one? Uh, it's in one of his newer novellas, yeah. Okay. Um, so, no. Wait, what were your questions? <laughs> I read it? said, was it an old one? <laughs> you said it's based on one of his new ones, yes. <laughs> so, I'm getting used to wearing the headphones. I can't I hear anything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um but yeah, so it's based on a fairly new novella. You know, the past five years or so. I've actually read it. I just kind of forgot all about it. Thomas Jane, uh, basically the plot is it takes place in the Dust Bowl in Nebraska. Thomas Jane is trying to keep his farm alive and uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to keep the land. And his bitch wife wants to move. That's basically the plot of the movie. It's uh, quite misogynistic. Women. And that's kind of the point of it. Um, she doesn't want to live on the land. She wants to move to like Phoenix or something. He convinces the son to murder his wife. What? <laughs> yeah, that's not the spoil. It's like the first ten minutes. <laughs> is this, uh, so this is a movie. It's not a series. That's a movie. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, getting hot in here. So. Well, yeah, it's a threesome, Brian. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Are you really going to take your shirt off? I'm getting ready. But it's this is a good movie. It's 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 a horror movie, but it's also got a nice kind of comedic slash kind of almost psychological aspect to it. Really? Who else is in it besides Thomas Jane? It has, um, I mean, not, not a whole lot of big names. Mm-hmm. I can't even think of who ever plays the wife. It's not a, people, a lot of people have noticed. Um, he's the main star. He has a ridiculous accent in it. I don't even know what you call it. It's like a weird, I guess, Dust Bowl accent. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's very heightened you know there's it's very sort of uh exaggerated in its tone and uh but it looks great uh i think you can watch on 4k on netflix oh. 
Um, it's very well shot. It's a good hour and a half, and you're out. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a fun little movie. Very dark, but kind of funny. I recommend it. Uh, a nice lark. Uh, I mean, a nice lark. Yeah. Okay. And it's worth it alone just for Thomas Shane's accent, which is, again, absolutely bananas. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he just wants his kids back. What else has Thomas Shane done? The Mist. Yeah. <laughs> Dreamcatcher. Yeah. We're just mentioning how, how we talk about The Mist like every day. Quite was often. The Mist a Stephen King thing? Yeah. Yes. Is he like the Stephen he was like, King guy? I guess so, because like he's Stephen done King's that. He was in Dreamcatcher, which is a terrible movie, but he was like, again, the main star in it. He was Cujo. He was Cujo. <laughs> Uh, he was in a show called Hung on HBO. Oh, right. I, I remember that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Arrested Development, obviously. Right. He was in a movie a while ago about Jack Kerouac. That was kind of cool. Um, he played, what's the guy from On the Road that is a... Uh, Dean? Yes, he played he played Dean or the guy that inspired Dean. So, yeah, he's kind of a, I guess I'm mostly known for Stephen King <laughs> adaptations these days. Kristen, what have you been watching? Well, you know, I've actually been trying to read... Boo. <laughs> hey, hey, she's trying hard. She's gotten, I mean, she's gotten some good Dr. Seuss ones down you've been able to read now, right? You sounded really desperate when you said that, too. <laughs> she's trying hard. So well, I really, I really do love books. That's very brave of you. I get a bunch every Christmas, as I like to read a lot, and I didn't read a lot, so this year I still sound like a little kid. But so I got a bunch of good books for Christmas, and so I right now I'm reading a book called Bad Blood. It's about this corporation that was run by this woman. Her name was Elizabeth Holmes. And this was like back in like, started in like 2006 or so. And and she was saying that she made this product that could test blood samples in a certain way. And she was making all these false promises and like racking up billions and billions of dollars and making deals with Safeway. And, and it was all a lie. And it's fascinating. And, and so I'm about halfway through it right now. I'm sure most people might have heard of it because it was in the news. Because obviously, yeah, I mean that was even I and I avoid the news, but it was Theranos. I don't know if that's how you say Thanos? it. Theranos, Theranos. Yeah, no, I've only read it too. Not the Avengers so. thing. No, it's not Thanos. I'm bad if it's in there. But it's a really good book. It is so interesting. This woman was she's like 21. She was a Stanford uh, student, and she came up with this prototype, and she just built on it from there and really like none of the science added up it really didn't actually work but she racked up billions of dollars and it all kind of fell apart so it's it's really good it's called uh, bad blood is that what you said yes but i also got a lot of other good books for christmas what else did i get you got me that lab girl book that i wanted to read for a while i bought uh the radium girls which is about the girls are these all nonfiction? yeah the girls who started using radium to like paint clocks and they all ended up getting cancer and it's very sad but it was it's fascinating it's it, you probably like it too because it's about i mean obviously about lawsuits and what people are liable for that's so i'm excited about that too that sounds depressing doesn't it most things you read too that's true well i think that's an admirable goal i want to i need to do that i have tons of books on my nightstands and none of any none of them which i've read uh, but so, Brian, well, let's welcome you. Brian's back. Hi, it's me. And so, Brian, um, we usually ask what you've been watching. Okay. Um, well, you were talking about books you're reading. So I've been reading these books. So there's this, so there's like a wizard. And there's like a wizard school. And this <laughs> Jesus boy. Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> and so 
it's he doesn't know at first that he's even a wizard, right? <laughs> and so he's he lives at, at home with these non-wizard people that they don't really like him. But anyway, it, it's a great series. It sounds um, huge. <laughs> I don't. It's is it kind of a small series? Maybe not people. A lot of people have heard about it. Yeah, I think it's like an indie. It's kind of an indie thing. <laughs> but anyway, I forget the name. But you guys should read it. I watched um, the Fire Festival. Are we just right. talking about what we watched? That scary. No, uh, yeah, let's talk that. about that. Yeah. Okay. I watched the Fire Festival documentary on Netflix, and that was entertaining as heck. Yeah. Can so we you talk about it? who our favorite characters from the Fire Festival are? I think we should. Yeah. Let's do. I that. haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Mm, I guess you'll feel left out during this part then. <laughs> Yeah, so our favorite characters. I mean, no one is likable. I do think the agent guy is kind of likable. The agent guy. Uh, not the Asian guy. <laughs> Which one's the agent guy? Yeah, well, I, I guess maybe the manager. or I'm not sure what his title is, but the guy that is... The older guy? Yeah, the older... <laughs> I don't know if he's likable, because he, I feel like he should know better. Like, he is the oldest one in this well, thing. I suppose like, the idea is that he, he was still suckered seems... to the same extent everyone else was suckered. Right, but he... I, I, don't understand how everyone was so suckered by this guy who clearly seems crazy. I mean, just whenever he's talking and he's just kind of blinking constantly. Yeah. He, I mean, there's nothing trustworthy about this guy. And so the, the the guy you're talking about, the older gentleman, who has clearly been around a lot, who's very experienced and successful in whatever it is that he does for a living. Um, yeah, it just kind of seems like he, of all people, should have known better. The most likable people were like the the employees of his company. Who were uh, just yeah, like, there's the guy with the ponytail that sort I liked of him. Yeah, he kind of knew it was up from the get go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot of those who they thought they were just building like an app, right? They were building like a, a product, and they seemed very bright. And they were just like, "Yeah, I just can't fucking believe I'm involved with this." Right. <laughs> you can see how that would happen though. You got roped up in a job and. As, yeah, from their side, for sure. Yeah, the people who just thought they were building like an app. They were building, like, you know, web stuff. Um, so, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to watch it. I really... It was yeah, this looks like I'm going to cut all this. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that was eye-opening for me about it was there's just... It just made me feel kind of old <laughs> also because there was so much that I just was not aware of at all. It's like this was this big thing. I had kind of heard of the Fire Festival. And I, I couldn't name one Ja Rule song. I, I really have no idea. Well, that, but I mean, Ja Rule's like one of the older characters in the show, though. I mean, right, but still, I don't know. I mean, he's apparently obviously very famous. I know his name. I don't know any of his songs. I've never heard of any of the supermodels that they were talking what about. What is the Ja Rule song? He didn't do. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Did he do Back That Ass Up? Is that Ja Rule? I have no idea. God, we're so old. We're so, so old. So this documentary really skews millennial. But it also yeah. kind of makes I guess fun of them. My thought on being old is like I watch the people wanting to go to that show based on what they've all seen, the you know social media mm-hmm. uh, promos, and and it's like none of that looks appealing to me. Right, <laughs> that's kind of how go. I felt too. I just like, kind of felt like wow, how, how naive you all are. Yeah, if everything happened like as advertised, I would still not want to go to that. It sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Even if it was legit, right. like a real thing, <laughs> don't want to go. God, no. Some island in the middle of nowhere, a bunch of tents with a bunch of you know rich people, right? Right. Assholes. No. Yeah, that's true. 
But then King you Ja Rule's playing, and Blink-182 <laughs> right. is playing. Right. <laughs> right. The headliner. When they interviewed in the Netflix one, though, they had, like, people who, you know, went to the festival, and they were all excited about it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I know. What are you thinking? There's that one guy who goes, oh, Blink-182 canceled, so then I, maybe it's like, that was your draw? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But, Brian, also, you mm-hmm. play Red Dead Redemption 2 a lot, and you're having a right. lot of fun with that. And I think it's great that, like, I, but all of us in the family are kind of getting into it. Like you tell, like we talked about how you told me about some of the creepier things. Right. Tell them again about um, what you were excited to tell me about. Oh, right. Yeah. So that was crazy. And so um, I, also what's interesting about it is I, the kids know how much I like it playing that game. And so they naturally kind of are, are curious and they want to see what's going on. And so the game, there's such a big world and you can just kind of wander around and explore. And so I can kind of do that with the kids. I can just ride my horse, right? And uh-huh. look at the animals hopping around. And then sometimes we come across a cabin or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so we came across this one cabin and I thought, oh, let's go look at the cabin. And so um, I get off my horse and I walk into this little cute little cabin in the woods and it's really dark inside the cabin. And so I open the door and immediately I can see there's like a weird skeleton there. And so I turn around immediately. And like in the game, like this weird, creepy music starts playing. Awesome. So clearly something's up. That's great. But the kids, luckily, at least especially, luckily doesn't catch on. She's like, why is that music playing? It's like, ah, I don't know. Let's go ride the horse some more. But so later. My horse's name is Pepper. Right, exactly. Right. And so later I went back to revisit the cabin because I knew something interesting was going on there. And there was apparently there had been like a mass suicide there probably like 15 years earlier, like a cult type thing. Like the, what, what was it where they, everybody drank the Kool-Aid with the Nike shoes? No, not that one. Heaven's Gate. Right. Yeah, it it seemed one. like a Heaven's Gate scenario. But so you go in the cabin and there's clearly like a leader who's sitting. It's almost kind of like an old classroom. Except it's kind instead of like Jonestown too. Instead mm-hmm. of desks, there's a lot of beds lined right. up in rows. And there's a leader sitting at a desk. And so, yeah, I guess everyone drank something. And it happened a long time ago because these are some rancid looking skeletons. I'm getting these so beds. excited. It was really cool looking. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and so I went through and I searched all the drawers because that's what you do in the game to find money and things. Um, but yeah, it was creepy and weird. When my nieces were younger, they used to let me watch. They liked to watch me play Skyrim. Oh. And so, you know, they were like eight, and nine. They uh-huh. would just call it the, you know, the game that Chris likes. And But every now and then they'd be like, okay, well, I have to straight up murder somebody now. So you need to leave their yeah, it's like that on Red Dead Redemption 2. It's like there's very little that we can do. Yeah. Like we have to steer away from all the people that we see because you never know what they're going to be doing, what could happen. I mean, I've wondered, you know, remember there was the serial killer? Yeah. Well, I just happened to wander across like his victims and there are some gruesome looking deaths. Yikes. And so I could have just wandered upon that with the oh, kids. So there's a serial killer component to it? Well, that's just one tiny little minuscule little bit, you know, just like like on the first Red Dead Redemption where you have, you know, the question mark that shows up yeah, on the map. I love those. It's like that. It's just a tiny little thing. And that that is, and there's even more of them in this game. Well, yeah, it was great when I picked up Adam from pre-K the other day. <laughs> And he hopped in the backseat all excited and he said, I told my friends that my daddy shot a cougar with a bow and arrow and skinned it. <laughs> and I said, uh, did you tell him it was a video game? And he was just like, I think so. And hopped into the, the car seat. That was it. 
Yeah, I wonder if his teachers heard that because I'm sure they would know. There's no way that little guy's skinning anything, so I'm sure they knew it was a video game. <laughs> they were like, like your, your dad, your dad's hunting. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> this must mean something else. Uh, what are we drinking this week? Well, in honor of our movie, which is The Lost Boys, I found Hooligan IPA because they're. Not only lost, but they're hooligans. They definitely are. They must, they fuck up that carousel. <laughs> they get kicked off the boardwalk. Yes. They get kicked out of... Uh, the video store. Yeah. Herman Monster's house. But this... That's not Herman Monster. Herman... Bernard, Bernard Herman. <laughs> Edward Herman. Edward Herman. Okay. Cut all that. All of those things could be right. This hooligan beer is by uh, Scofflaw Brewing Company. But I like that they have... Um, the definition of scofflaw, and it says, a lawless drinker, a person who flouts the rules, conventions, or accepted practices. Now, isn't that vampires? Mm-hmm. Scofflaw is a really respected brand in the, the brewing world. Oh, and also, I good? love, I have to put a picture on Instagram. There's like this just badass goat, and he looks just like somebody that they showed on the boardwalk in that opening scene, doesn't he? <laughs> He's got uh, piercings and... I'm not drinking the that. I'm drinking fancy wine. Oh, right. You want to like talk about what you're drinking? Fancy wine. <laughs> Chris and I are drinking hooligan beer. You want to try this? It tastes really good. Um, no, I got my fancy wine taste in my mouth and I'm enjoying Thank you, though. It's really good. You like it? You like it? Means. I really like it, yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed with it. I just didn't realize it was 7%. Oh. And that's fine. That's fine. It's just, you know, that's a hilariously high gravity beer, so... So again, our movie is The Lost Boys. Right. Stay the off the boardwalk. Okay. Stay off the boardwalk. And so this is 1987? 1987. Is that right? Mm, yeah. I was six years old. I was really, well, I was seven years old, but I, I saw this uh, probably when I was uh, eight or nine, though. This is the that first. That is crazy, Chris. We, we talked about this before. I know. This is the first horror movie I saw. But I haven't seen this since the three of us watched it probably, what? When was that? 15 years ago. When did we start dating? 2003? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it was okay. So that's where the guy started. Two thousand three, two thousand four, somewhere in there. Yeah. Wow. So it's been fifteen years. But this is a, you know another one of those big movies from when I was a kid, and it's hilarious because my big take on it like oh this isn't so much a horror movie as a comedy. Right. <laughs> when I was but, a kid, it was a horror movie. But right. when I was watching it again, I really was like oh poor Chris, little Chris, watch this. Oh, I was traumatized. But I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But I, I did not. I remember, I, funnily enough, watching it with my babysitter because I watched my best friend Jason first. He, he's the one that showed it to me. And then I, I used to be babysat by these kids in the neighborhood. Right. And so they said, let's rent a movie. And I said, well, let's rent this. Uh, it was your decision? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I got in so much trouble for it. And my mom found out. But the babysitter didn't care. I mean, this is their kids' moms. And but I remember watching with the you know the adult, and she was laughing hysterically the whole time. And I remember thinking like, "What is so funny? Like, why aren't you crying with t- terror?" Right. Uh, and now I guess like, at, oh, this is a comedy. Was she laughing at Jason Patrick's acting? Do you think? <laughs> well, no, I remember laughing at like the Frog Brothers and like the uh-huh. the dinner scene. Right. And when yeah. I was a kid, I remember that being like really scary because I was so into the plot. Like, right. is he a vampire? <laughs> That's all. I, like, it's just funny. Like, you know, in, in my mind, I still think of it as a serious horror movie. Right. But you watch it as an adult or with any intelligence. It's like, oh, it's more of a comedy. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird blend. It really is. Horror comedy. Yeah. But more on the comedy side than even horror, I think. Like, it's more horror, more comedy than, say, like, Fright Night, which is also horror comedy or 
I mean, it's kind of close to like a Scream type vibe almost. Yeah. Um, there's so, very little horror in it, really. Yeah, there's a few There's a few scares. The the scene with the bonfire, which we'll talk about, that still is, to me, I oh. mean, I remember that being very upsetting to me when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and the scalps being torn off and blood pouring everywhere. Yeah, that was, that. that's when I was thinking about you yeah. as a as a little boy and I think like I talked about on our first episode the scene where um, Corey Feldman spikes a a bill from Bill and Ted and the blood just goes everywhere right and and I remember thinking like okay that's you know that was my first I remember thinking like okay this is an actual horror movie when I saw when I was a kid and it was a long time in the movie before they get to any of that though yeah it's it's not not like it's horror throughout there's some like pretty dramatic (laughs) death scenes yeah, and I, I can't can imagine what a young person now would possibly think of this movie. I, I still think it was really enjoyable. Like, it just seems like if you can't, like, just sit back and kind of let yourself enjoy this movie. Yeah, but I, I guess what sad. I'm thinking more about is, like, you know, you know, obviously we have degrees a bit dated. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Even seeing it, I, I don't remember when we watched it last time, feeling like, wow, this is extremely dated. <laughs> Like I felt this time. But I also think it helps because you could see very clearly the influences of like the new It movie or Stranger Things and they're taking from those 80s movies, you know? And you definitely see that in this. Like the dinner table scene when they're all trying to work together to solve this and it's kind of funny and then they're they're riding their bikes really hard to go get to the next point and stuff. So maybe a younger person could watch this and appreciate it. Because of these new, like this new wave of these kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, to the extent you're into 80s culture, this yeah. would be like, you know, it'd be like watching you know, Pretty in Pink or something. You know, right. Right. Yeah. Of, this would definitely be a must watch if you're trying to, to watch 80s stuff just for the two Corys. This was the first movie they were both in. I didn't realize that. Oh, is it? Mm hmm. This makes a lot more sense, the style of it, when you realize it is Joel Schumacher. Like, yes. uh, you know, famous from like the Batman and Robin and. <laughs> Right. Forever. But he wasn't famous before this. No, but like, I mean, I, I guess, he, I mean, my point is he, had, he clearly had a certain sensibility, which is very stylized. Uh, he seems to appreciate taking the, whatever the culture is happening at the time and just blowing it up, you know, and and, th- and this movie does that. He just takes, you know, imagine right. you watch some MTV videos. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah, see, that's exactly what it felt like to me this time watching is it, this felt like a music video. Like there's a Duran Duran music video, um, the song Wild Boys. Do you remember that? It's like from 85-ish, but so much of this just seemed like a music video. I don't know what was going on with the eight in the 80s <laughs> where you had to have like these... Uh, Odd-looking people with the mohawks, and you have barrels of fire <laughs> randomly of placed fire. everywhere. It's like a very dangerous place, like, <laughs> right? I don't. I guess it was like maybe Mad Max, like maybe that kind of set that kind of style, and that just really carried through the '80s for some reason. Like even up to this, we said this was '87. Yeah, they're still doing this kind of <laughs> feel to a movie. I do wonder. Do we know? Does Santa Cruz is that a real place? I didn't really. Well, so in the movie, it's called Santa Carla. Oh, Santa Carla. But Santa okay. Cruz is where they filmed the movie. Uh, but we all thought of Adam Scott, right? Well, you and I did because okay. we've had this conversation. <laughs> he was born Jason Patrick Butthole on the carousel. <laughs> right. <laughs> is that from the... Um, like, you talking you two right. to me. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about that. 
But so when they when they're driving in though, and they show like the sign, did it say Santa Cruz? I think it said Santa Carla. It said Santa Carla. But did it? Okay. Yeah. So, 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 I guess so I probably there's... had to make up a city because I'm right. sure no city's going to be allowed to call the murder capital of the world and like right. let you film there, you know. Well, yeah. So they move around to the other side, and someone has graffitied "Murder Capital of the World," which is also uh, similar to it. How they have those missing kid signs all over. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. trying to figure out what that was familiar from. Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, this is a vampire movie. Yes, and it is a comedy apparently. Right. <laughs> now I understand. But it's the opening scene is again the boardwalk. Right. We have uh, the boardwalk in Santa Carla. California, right? Which is and probably the most California movie that's ever existed. By the way. Uh, <laughs> and they start, they zoom in on the carousel, and then oh, I, I everybody else get real excited about that first shot of Kiefer Sutherland or what? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And that uh, the pristine, just bone white mullet he has. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know, as we watched it, Brian had the very astute comment that I never ever thought about: is why is everyone the uh, Carousel, 45 years old. Yeah, everyone at the carousel is an adult. The carousel itself is just like any other carousel, clearly meant for little kids. It's got the happy little animals going up and down on the poles, around in circles, but it's only populated by like 30-year-olds. Yeah, there's this idea that nothing happens in this carousel, but just like drugs and like... <laughs> Whatever vampire violence has. It's uh, yeah. Why is it's such an odd place to set that? And that why did they make the choice where there is there nothing else in this city exists except for this boardwalk? Like everything has to be set <laughs> yes. there. Yeah. The movie gallery or like where they they rent the oh, movies. Yeah, because it's the restaurants, like, yeah. the comic book store. Yeah, it's all centered. Everything the is there in yeah. this boardwalk. There are no grocery stores. There's no schools. There's kind of a mention of a school that they go to. Well, had not see it. Though. Yeah, I asked it's on the boardwalk though <laughs> it's right behind the carousel next to the vampire videos tour but so the whole premise of this or how it starts is that what's the actress's name i can never remember her name uh, diane weiss right yeah so Jamie she's Gertz. gotten divorced <laughs> and she's moving her kids to the murder capital of the world right because we're we're the there. security guards on carousels this is where she's bringing her children but yeah it was funny how we all were like Rachel, I mean, Diane Weiss is like, she's very beautiful. Like, she's like young. And what did Chris say? She's like, she looks like she's our age. When we thought of her as like a mom, when we saw her in, in this and then Edwards has her hands, whatever else she is. But she was, she's really pretty. Oh, I forget she's Edwards has her hands. Yeah, she, she, plays- she has like a really cool, like, Voice and they talk about her, and so I was thinking about that too. Because have you listened to the blank check? Not yet. Okay, well, they talk about her a lot, and they were really. I never really thought of her that much, but they made a good point in that, that she's such a calming presence. Yes, you know, And voice, she really is yeah. in this, too. I've never really considered how unique she is. There's mm-hmm. no one else like her. There's no one that has that kind of presence. I mean, she's a small person, you know, and she's not who you would ever think, at least I never would, like this is a, a beautiful woman, but she has a really pretty face, and she just has such a... a a calm and reassuring and vulnerable delivery, you know, that I don't think there's there's anybody like her. And I, I never really thought of her as this kind of standout um, talent or personality, but she really is. I always do remember loving her in Edward Hands, which is something because there's a lot of good personalities in that. There's Johnny Depp, obviously, and Winona Ryder and the, all the other colorful people in that movie. But I do always remember her being the Avon sales lady you know mm-hmm. i remember her in parenthood 
Oh, right. She was, I liked her. Oh, right, right, yeah. But yeah, so then we also have the two brothers. Um, so Jason Patrick, who I still think looks like he's like 28. And he should have a real job by now. What he looks 28. Well, to his credit, the first thing he asks someone on the boardwalk is, hey, you got any job? So he's, he's trying pretty hard. Or well, real hard. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying real hard. He's trying super hard. But then again, he's clearly mentally disabled for something <laughs> in this. I mean, every facial expression he makes, it's kind of slack-jawed. <laughs> But he is, I mean, he's obviously very pretty to look at. He looks great. He does. Yeah. Um, and you could see them being brothers, like him and Corey Haim, because they have both these these big, full lips and these pretty faces. Like, they're believable as brothers. Yeah, they just are a little too touchy-feely, <laughs> aren't they? I never thought about that until y'all first <laughs> it time. Chris, I'm sorry. Are we going to break your heart a lot through this? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot to say there's about the Corys. There's a lot of weird things in that relationship, I feel like. One, at some times, um, it's like there could be a 20-year age difference between them. <laughs> Sometimes they could be lovers. <laughs> it's really strange. I mean, at one point, um, Jason Patrick, the older brother, tells Corey Haim to go get your bath. Right. Like he's a six-year-old. Well, then he's in the bath like a six-year-old. Yeah, well, like there's the song. mystery of how old Corey Haim's character is supposed With to be. With his dog. Like, I, I feel like he's a different age every right. scene. Yeah. So he's obviously Corey Haim's age, which appears to be... 15, 16, right. 14. Well, like when he's in the comic book store and he's acting like kind of mature, right. like a know-it-all, who seems like it could be, he could be older. And then other times he seems like he must be five years old. Right. No when he's like him to do dancing and taking a bath. Like, <laughs> right. I don't remember him taking a bath when I was 15, much less being told to go take a bath. By your brother. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a, is an interesting relationship between those two. But they, I mean, I guess they're old enough that they're able to go to the boardwalk by themselves, which looks like a like third ring of hell. Well, the mom's just like, go have fun. It's, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that because... One time, you know, she tells Jason Patrick um, to stay home (laughs) with your younger brother. And he's like, he can take care of himself. So it's odd that she doesn't want him to be home by himself. But hey, go to the boardwalk. (laughs) I'm sure it's fine there. I don't want to be around any of those people. They're all just like trouble. she's been there. They showed her like walking around. Just yeah, seems like works there. It seems dangerous. People are pushing each other and stealing yeah, well, things. You have, you have the sexed up fires. Uh, uh, saxophone guy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Wow. Those hips. Wow. And he plays the saxophone. Yes. Wow. I will say one of my favorite memories of all time is uh, at, from Barnes & Noble. I was filling in for the cafe. And this is, I believe, after you guys had left. Or you oh, had- you, they need someone to fill it, huh? Well, after we left, right? Yeah. Well, I was doing Couldn't something. Keep it running without us. Yeah. And there's a lady, a girl named Paige that worked there, and they and they play that song on the radio. What song? The saxophone song. What? I, what? Well, it, was a, it was from the Lost Boys soundtrack. It was a pretty popular song. You know, I still I believe. I've never heard that. Song. I've heard that song <laughs> recently on they, the radio. What? Yes, that's I, a song. Yeah, that's a real song. They played that at Barnes and Noble. No, they played it on the radio station we were listening to in the little boombox we had. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so we, they played that song, and I remember, like, we were both kind of started, like, humming and bopping about, and, and Paige goes, is that the guy from the Lost Boys? And we both, like, just died laughing and high-fived. And, uh, but, yeah, that's a, that's actually a big hit. I mean, I don't that, think it's really... It's not a big hit. I, I don't <laughs> think it's... I don't think the artist is really that guy with those the Vaseline vest and the saxophone. I think it's a someone else, but... That's a hit. It's not a hit. 
The Lost Boys soundtrack was a huge soundtrack. For sure. N- no. And that song was not a big hit. Jeez. <laughs> oh, them fighting words. <laughs> I, this is if like, there's one thing I know, it's 80 songs. If it was a big hit, I would have heard it. It was a... It's a song they play on Birmingham Mountain Radio. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. And so, <laughs> so then they show Jason Patrick just like staring daggers. He's a little creepy, right? Oh. <laughs> yeah. So how old is I, I, Jason Patrick supposed to be? Is he? We decided he's in school. He's supposed to be started starting school. So and seventeen or eighteen? Between seventeen and thirty. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be seventeen or sixteen because he's starting school, right? Maybe it's college, junior college, right? Special Graduate college. school. <laughs> and what star's name? The actress from Twister and all that. Oh, that's Jamie, Jamie Gertz. Gertz. Yeah. Right. She has more hair than so any person I've ever seen hair. in a movie. So much hair. And she's beautiful, though. She is beautiful. She is beautiful. Yeah. She, she doesn't She doesn't really do much, though. No like, one in this movie does much. <laughs> Except for the Hames and the other... The Corys, you mean? The Corys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that 7% alcohol is hitting me. Feldman Haim and Corey Haim. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're watching it this time. I do feel like Kiefer Sutherland did feel to be phoning it in a bit. I mean, I know. I remembered him. I want to have a. I want to have a big Kiefer Sutherland conversation right now. Yeah. So, well, first I was just going to say I remember him being in this movie. I'm going to need a, a hacksaw. <laughs> right, but he's not in it all that much. No, he's really not. But so the year before this, he was in Stand by Me, mm-hmm. playing a very similar character to this. He's like ominous, scary, older guy, but. Did Kiefer Sutherland's career live up to its potential? <laughs> Do you feel like? Well, I, I, I guess what I'm thinking is that he didn't really get his break probably till um, maybe Young Guns or something. Or <sighs> I, mean, I feel like in these two movies, he's such like a scary looking dude. Like I brought up, so here's him in Stand by Me, and he just has such a cool look, and he's like a '50s like. Tough guy. I mean, he's a cool looking guy. Mm -hmm. Nobody looks like him. Just feels like he never got like the the perfect role. He was Jack Bauer. I know, but he was like 40 by then and he wasn't, Jack Bauer is not, is not as cool and dangerous seeming. I like how Chris looked over at me. Like I'm going to get upset. (laughs) Knock her that But like in, in this movie, I mean, he's a vampire and he has just such a cool, freaky, scary look. And he was such a, uh, intimidating scary presence to me at least and stand by me i don't know you think I, he didn't I, get I the like role he, he needed yeah i feel like the, he never got like the the right keeper sutherland role like jack bauer i feel like a lot of people could kind of do that but he's jack bauer do you remember when my mom used to like want to call you oh, Chris, right. to talk yeah. about 24 she'd be like have chris call me i have questions about 24 <laughs> we have to watch 24 together but so are you guys not with me on the, the Keeper Sutherland? No, I do see how in between that he should have gotten some really juicy roles. I feel like there would need to be more Sutherlands. Like, is there, does he have a son? Because Donald Sutherland oh, is yeah. a fascinating guy. Yeah. I mean, just his look, too. He's such an interesting actor. I wish he would have been like a vampire in this. He could have been a master vampire. Yeah. That would have been great. That would have been awesome. Like, he should have been a great villain in something. Like a like like where the villain is the star of the movie. He Maybe he could still be though. I mean, Donald Sutherland was just in the Hunger Games and he played President Snow. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I I I love Kiefer. 
Okay, so we've talked about, I guess, Jason Patrick. <laughs> we've talked about Kiefer Sutherland. Can we talk about Corey Haim in this movie <laughs> for a yeah. minute? What are your Corey Haim thoughts? Uh, is this character gay? <laughs> <laughs> it really feels like... I'm looking at my notes here, and uh, I have a Rob Lowe poster. <laughs> and also, he looks at Jamie Gertz, and it looks visibly disgusted at one point. I have in my notes here, everyone is gay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, best movie ever. <laughs> But yeah, I, this is another thing I just never really thought about. But like, because when I was all right, so this is a little bit weird. Okay. But I want, but one of the reasons I watched this movie when I was a kid is because my best friend Jason made me watch it. Uh-huh. My friend Jason, who is straight as far as I know, was a huge Corey Haim fan. <laughs> you know, like you like yeah. people that are your age sure. in movies. Yeah, yeah. He had a Corey Haim poster on his wall, which to my memory was probably similar to the Rob Lowe poster on Corey Haim's wall <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> So I guess it's not that weird. But my favorite, more better theory is that Joel Schumacher, being a you know renowned sort of gay personality, just kind of thinks, yeah, that's what gay? teenage boys I did not think. know that. Oh, yeah. He's I don't know anything good. about it. Oh. He directed Batman and Robin. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yeah. There's nipples on the bat suits. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I just imagine him thinking, like, yeah, 13-year-old boys had pictures of Rob Lowe on the walls. Of course they did. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> And just not knowing, but right. it is an interesting character choice. I guess you have the Molly Ringwald poster too, if that is who that is. I think that was Molly Ringwald, but maybe it that was like more that. like he wanted to be her best friend. <laughs> right. Yeah, he wants to be Ducky. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, the, the scene I'm referring to is there's a, a poster on his closet door of Rob Lowe. Half naked. Half naked. Yeah, you know, shirtless. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, well, was it maybe is someone else's room? No, they just moved in there. Right. It's not the grandfather's room. They just right. moved in, and That's he first put thing. that poster up. <laughs> snap, snap. Uh, so I guess I've always noticed that, but again, this is one of those things I, you know, you see when you're thirty, you're like, oh, "That's an interesting choice." Right. <laughs> but then again, that just that's a a new thing I noticed that had right. really occurred me when I was, you know, say eight. <laughs> but you know, if if he was good for him, you know, eighties gay icon Corey Ham, and yeah, well done. Well, yeah, and so then the, I guess the big scene is when I don't even know what the character's name is. Jason Patrick. Is Michael. Michael is saying like four hundred times. Michael, 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 Michael. Michael. Right. Well, yeah, all the subtitles that watch just Michael <laughs> splatter across the screen. <laughs> of all the names to remember. Well, that's what, what I was his name? Kind of, was kind of disappointing that Kiefer Thurland's name was just David. I mean, it seems like it, by right. this by now he would have come up with a cool vampire name. But anyway, right? That's true. He's well, like yeah, David, that's, come that's out here. A, a question I had that I never thought about. So, are the the van, the four vampires, you know, Kiefer and the others, are they supposed to be old vampires that have been around for a while, or new vampires? Like, that's do they? Interesting. He said that they. He mentioned that they never die. Yeah. So, so do they? Yeah. Do they come upon that look? Like, okay, now we're going to be eighties <laughs> punks, right? But before they used to look like, you know, say Lestat from Interview with Vampire or something, or, right? Right. Or the seventies, they, they were wearing vampires, leisure suits. Right. You know, <laughs> they were going to the disco at the yeah. boardwalk. Well, that's, now what's, so, like, that's what's so. That's what's so great and, about what we do in the shadows. You know, they really kind of address that. They talk about how old each one is, right. and how the youngest one's only like three hundred years old, and he's a yellow young buck, and. That's such a they show pictures of them through the ages. Right. Oh, that movie is so good. I guess when I was a kid, I always imagined they were like, because it's called The Lost Boys and they all show the, you know, the lost milk cartons and whatnot. 
I just assume they're new vampires, but right. maybe they've been around for a while. Yeah, it's more fun to me to think of them as new vampires, like they're part of the culture. Okay, so any other thoughts on uh, Corey Haim? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought he was really funny and charming in this. Um, I mean, not perfect throughout, but he had some really good lines. Like, my thing that made me laugh the most in the whole movie was when he said, my own brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pretty good line. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, was very funny. funny. He yeah. said, or even like when he said, like, wait till mom hears about this. Mm-hmm. That was very good. Yeah. I mean, I will say like when I was a kid, this is the movie that made kids my age love Corey Haim. Like even boys that were straight or whatever. Right. Like he was like a, a cool kid. Like, you know, and this is the movie, right. I guess we saw. I mean, I know like later came out License to Drive and that was a big one. Right. And then right. You know, a few others. And before that he was like in... Silver Bullet and Lucas, but he was Lucas. like a, a kid kid. Right. Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this so. one though, he was just, he was very cool. You know, he was, uh, he held his own with all the kind of older actors and. Oh yeah. He I, was, yeah. He was better yeah. than Jason Patrick. Yeah. But I agree. The only, the only things that are like cringe worthy inducing about the, his performance are just like the lines he's given sometimes. Like, yeah. You know, like death by stereo. Right. Which yeah. when I was eight, I thought which, was the most funny thing. I know. Ever. Right. I remember. Yeah. That was most of his lines at the time were very cool. Yeah. Now they don't seem like it, but there's one line that literally makes no sense whatsoever, which is when they're at the end where they're driving. Corey Haim himself is driving, right? Mm-hmm. Corey Feldman tells him to like, uh, what's he say? Uh, put the pedal of metal or something. Or, right. And, and so it goes in reverse. And then he says, pale of the metal does not mean warp speed. So he's talking to himself? Like, I'm right. Right. That was very confusing. <laughs> it makes no sense. It didn't make any sense. The movie no. comes to a scratching, a screeching halt at that point. Right. <laughs> but, it just uh, felt like poor editing, which it felt like there was a lot of poor editing in yeah. this movie. But, I mean, that's not his fault. That's either the no, screenplay right. or the, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, way better than, like, Jason Patrick, who... Right. God bless. I mean, is this a Keanu situation we have to talk about? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> what else has Jason Patrick done? Well, he was in that movie Rush, which with Jennifer Jason Lee, where they played drug addicts. He was uh, in a Speed Two Cruise Control. Right. I knew he was in some of Keanu. Hey oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like Rush, it was a big. That was like a big renowned performance for him. I mean, he he may have been nominated for some awards. Uh, really. For that movie, yeah. Yeah, he was like an undercover cop that became a drug addict or something. I forget exactly. Yeah, but Corey Feldman was good. I liked him. He has such a deep, husky voice for a little guy. Well, he was also, I mean, making his voice deeper, but... Yeah, yeah was, but he, still. Yeah, he was funny. Yeah, and so you said this is the first time they were on screen together, so this is... Yeah, it was the first movie they were both in. So after um, this, they did License to Drive Together. Do you remember License to Drive? Oh, I used to have recorded, yeah. Right. That, uh, what I remember about it, I remember liking it as a kid, but now I remember that, so Heather Graham is in that. She's like the the woman. Yeah. And I remember when I was a teenager, oh my God, I don't know if I'd ever seen anyone as attractive as Heather Graham in that. But isn't there, there's a scene where she like passes out? I mean, yeah, that it's is a, not... It's a, yeah, it's a very hard movie to watch. <laughs> right. I watch it... Um, it's funny. There's a guy I work with who was telling me about all these '80s movies he likes to watch now because they're so innocent. And he goes, "You should watch License Drive." And so I watched it on Netflix, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, "This is just a movie about date rape." <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's not true about '80s movies. I think it's the opposite. Yeah, and I had a big fight with him because I told him like, "You only say that because you were a kid when you watched it. Right. You just didn't know any better. They're no right. more or less innocent 
In fact, they're licensed. And, they are because yeah. there's so much stuff that's yeah. so inappropriate now. Yeah, licensed drivers. There's a scene where Corey Feldman, like, okay, so Heather Graham, there's a whole scene where she's in the back seat. We're just on a tangent now. It's okay, right? Yeah. She's in the back seat. She's completely unconscious because they've given her all this alcohol. And there's a whole scene where Corey Feldman, like, just pulls her bra off and starts taking pictures. And so it's play for comedy. And then they throw her in the trunk. <laughs> Oh my right. God. That happens in the movie. Oh my God. And she's in the trunk for like the rest of the movie. And it's kind of like this comedic thing because, oh, she's just so wasted. But she sure is pretty. And that's oh her my fault. gosh. Well, that's kind of like, I think it's in uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, it's very much like that. It's less, or maybe it's more. I don't know what happens you. in Revenge of the Nerds? Well, one of the nerds, like, it's a Halloween party or something. And so he puts on the same costume as this girl's boyfriend. And oh, right, 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 right. And then they're like, oh, that's fine. It's funny because he's a nerd. And, but anyway. Yeah, and the was... funny thing about License Drive is like Heather Graham is always presented as like a super nice character. It's not like she's supposed to be like this mean slut or something that like gets what she deserves. Like you would see like an Avengers of Nerds type movie. Uh-uh. She's already like, I mean, there's like just, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense within the context of what they're trying to do in the movie. But yeah, so that movie's nuts. Uh, but Corey Feldman, I think, is really good in this movie. I think he's has a, his line reading is really funny. Yeah. He has some of the best lines in it, you know. This dog is a blood sucker when he sees one. <laughs> Cracks me up every time. <laughs> <laughs> so then another time when they're hanging out at the boardwalk, which is the only place to go, um, Jason Patrick starts following Star again. But what does he do before that? He buys a leather jacket right. at the boardwalk. <laughs> right. Yes. Where everyone does their shopping. And very very and pleased apparently with it. he has a personal shopper there. The woman is like, that looks great. <laughs> And he's I like, like I'll take it. Earlier, you described him as staring daggers at Jamie Gertz. I don't feel like he has enough um, <laughs> enough in him to stare daggers. I feel like he's more he was, like a dumb, like, he dog was always stare. kind of right, staring <laughs> right, well, sleepily, I mean, confusedly. Yeah. It's very, right. very a pretty girl over there type theory. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then he follows Star, and then she gets on the motorcycle with Kiefer, which is like, I mean, duh. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> Grabs that mullet. And <laughs> <laughs> then the Duran Duran music video starts, and they do the, the motorcycle chase through the right. fire that and was the sand the, and the fog. The other thing this movie reminded me of, it reminded me a lot of the Karate Kid. Yes. Because they have yes. a lot of Karate yes. Kid type stuff in there. Yeah. Karate yeah, Kid, Dave you have the beach and the motorcycles. Uh, yeah. Like blonde karate mm-hmm. guy. Right. So it's like Karate Kid and Stand By Me, but with vampires. <laughs> yeah. They meet up again. Uh, they take him to the cave, which is a sunken hotel. Right. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Which I think, you know, you know, not to talk about Buffy all the time, but I, I realize that now Buffy took a lot from. That's Lost the Boys. first time you've mentioned Buffy. That's amazing. This is our what our tenth episode. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. Wow. That's crazy. You're doing good. <laughs> okay. Well, now it's you know no holds barred. <laughs> but the first season of Buffy, they have the the big villain is layers in like a sunken church that was oh okay you know from an earthquake in 1906. It's like the same hmm. story except as a hotel, but also on Buffy. Uh, the vampire makeup is very similar to the Lost Boys vampire makeup. Yeah, Which yeah. is that weird veiny thing on their foreheads. Yeah. And so I think that's where they got that from. Okay. And the Buffy. That vampire makeup was pretty cool. Yeah, this, it wasn't though. bad at all. Whenever they're vampires, they look cool. I wish yeah. they would have been vampires more. Like they have, like Kiefer had like the, the orange yellow eyes kind of, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, that was body mods of like the bumps on their faces and stuff. It was good. Yeah. 
It's, it's, it's very important where you place the things I've noticed on a vampire. Like on the Lost Boys, they're very close together and it's slightly unsettling. Hmm. If you have them too far apart, it doesn't look as scary, I noticed. Uh, very interesting. If you watch enough vampire movies, which is some time, <laughs> you'll notice these things. Jason Patrick kind of becomes a half vampire because half he vampire. only drinks the blood and jumps into the fog. Yeah, and so this is something... So is it okay to, to be critical of the movie that... Oh, yeah, it's fine. We, when we're, we're spending like two hours talking about this movie. We recognize we like it. It's fine. We can... Okay. Yeah, it is an enjoyable movie, sure. But it's just kind of odd to me the way they play like a lot of key dramatic moments in it. That So it seems like it should be an important scene that Jason Patrick is going to become a vampire, right? And so Keith Sutherland wants him to be... But there's no, like, battle. There's no, like, fight. It's just he kind of tricks him to drink some blood. Yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's funny the way you describe that. Because, when I, I mean, I think it's all perspective. Like, when I was a kid, it was a huge thing to me. Like, you know, like, this epic struggle, this internal battle between and like, And, and none of that registers now. Like, <laughs> right. All. It didn't feel like any kind of yeah. epic struggle or internal so, battle. It's like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to get some rice we're going to make him think it's maggots, and it's not. And then we're going to give him some noodles, and it's going to make it look like worms. And so we're going to set all this up so that when we give him the blood, yeah, which I, we're going to tell him it's wine, but he's going to think we're just fucking with yeah, him again. Which I never thought about that as a strategy until literally tonight. I just <laughs> thought it was three examples of them being like mean to them. So I don't know if that's clever, because most vampire movies, you have you know someone bites the person's neck, and they become a vampire. So maybe this is... It just felt like a lot of things just felt kind of anticlimactic. Yeah, well, yeah, these days to me, it just feels like a really extreme example, like peer pressure. Like, but when I was a kid, I remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's terrible how they do that too. <laughs> but they, right. I mean, I don't know. They they do seem pretty cool. And he's new. And he really likes that girl. And yeah, so he wants to be a part of it. So he's like, yeah, sure, let's drink this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go hang off the bridge <laughs> and fall into the fog. And for some reason, that makes me a half vampire. I don't know why. Just does. And then somehow, uh, oh, right, because you're not a full vampire until you make your first kill. But none of the lore of actually biting yeah. them comes into it. Yeah, this is definitely the different vampire lore than what you're right. used to. So you kind of just have to go with it. This isn't your grandfather's lore. Mm-hmm. Right. This is 1987. Joel Schumacher lore. Right. right. You just drink some blood. And so it was also interesting to me after that. So he drinks the blood. He goes and he follows him to the bridge and they're hanging off the bridge and he falls down off the bridge into the smoke and it seems like okay he's one of them because they're all chanting and calling his name and saying you're one of us so it seems like like he's okay he's a vampire now but then like the next night they show up outside his house like with the motorcycles and they're still like calling his name and they're shining the lights and all that stuff like, why are they still recruiting him? It's like he drank the blood. <laughs> he jumped off the, the railroad tracks with you. But when he went outside, there was nobody there. Maybe they were just teasing him or trying to get him to come to them. Yeah, they, but they also did the same thing to their own master. So, you know, right. Yeah. right. I guess like, it's just a prank. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they seem just, just what they do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because what are they trying to do to their master? Like, you know, freak him out. He's the head vampire. Like, <laughs> yeah. right. He's just like these fucking kids. I, mean, I am so tired of these kids. Yeah, that's kids. his idea. Like, they're, they're kids. Yeah. Like, you know, Mike, right. I wrote down the line. I guess every night they, they go to the they go to the carousel. <laughs> they rough some people up there. Yeah. That's who we're going to prank tonight. 
Yeah, and we'll I guess that's why house. we think they're new vampires, you know, because he does say, you know, Dave and my boys have misbehaved again. Right. So they're always kind of like that. They're just right. dickheads. <laughs> and he's a sort of respected elder statesman vampire. But it is very cute that Corey Feldman and his brother, they know what's going on. I like that whole part. Mm-hmm. And they're, it's never really cheesy to me. It just kind of seems, it, they, they're playing it as funny. I did right. realize uh, their parents do own the comic book store, and okay. they're they're going to be shown on film. I googled it. They're they're the hippies in the background. They're like leaning against the wall. Oh, okay. Oh, that's supposed to be the parents. It's <laughs> kind of funny. And they run the comic book store. Yeah, the guy has a gray beard, and the mom's kind of leaning on them. That's their parents. That's their oh, frog okay. parents. Yeah. They're actually known in the credits. They say frog parents. Oh, yeah. I noticed that. So. And so, and the Edgar and Allen, and that's obviously a. Oh my chosen... god. <laughs> Are you, Are you serious? serious? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're Edgar and Alan. Yeah. I assume that's a conscious Mr. decision. Of year. <laughs> that's amazing. We're constantly surprising each other. That's, you know, that movie jumped up another star. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of it. <laughs> it is interesting that, so there are these two characters, the Frog Brothers. They know there are vampires in the city. They understand it. The, the granddad, Corey Hames' granddad, he had, uh, at the end. Right. So it's kind of interesting that there, there are, obviously, there's a group of people in the city who know that they're just living amongst vampires. Yeah, and he's I like, how yeah. how many others that there are. He just are. tells his daughter, yeah, bring your kids here. It'll be fine. Doesn't even tell them, oh, by the way. Right, but I like the idea that there's, I mean, if there's the Frog Brothers and the granddad, they know there's probably a whole bunch of other people that just work at the work at the boardwalk, you know, and they just know, yeah, it's just part of life here, you know? Right. But there's you know some vampires what? around. You know I really thought about? Okay, so you say the granddad invited them there. That's not initially true. She got divorced and moved in with him, right? Okay. What is the granddaddy of the whole, whole movie but make them uncomfortable? He doesn't want them to live there. He doesn't have a TV. Right. He's always doing weird shit. <laughs> You know, maybe his whole strategy is just trying to make them move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's you're a vampire right. Infested, like, yeah, but he's doing his best to like. Yeah. He's obviously he's sharpening those. He's make, sharpening those stakes and putting them yeah. in his yard. Right. Yeah, the first scene everywhere. is like, yeah, you know, he's dead on the you know the uh, yes. the porch. Maybe he's just basically saying, you don't want to live. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess you know because and he probably you know knows it because his daughter he can't just tell her that you know. So he has to, like, show them. Well, right. And so he's like a 70-year-old man and 1980 or 60-year-old man. So he was born in 1920-something. You know, this is a time period where adult men, they don't really express their feelings. So he probably just wasn't able to express (laughs) to his daughter, you can't live here. So this is his way of communicating that message. So we're talking about Jason Patrick and his acting. Um, It reminded me of when um, in The Office... When Jim is pretending to be a vampire, you know, right. to drink Dwight. Yeah. I felt like Jim pretending to be a vampire was a better um, performance as a vampire than Jason Patrick <laughs> being a vampire. What it can't remind me of was actually like Anakin's, Hayden, Christensen, Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. Uh-huh. Except I'm kind of maybe tipping it toward Hayden. <laughs> like, I mean, some of those scenes where he's like, you know, you know, come on in. You know, you're invited. Like, like, at least Hayden would give it some James Dean angst to it. You know, like, I mean, it's just it's quite bad. Yes, but somehow I don't know. It kind of works, I guess. But I, I guess I never really noticed the badness of it until right. It's badness in a way that's still kind of fun and entertaining. Yeah, it's very arch, but I'm not sure he means it that way. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't, but <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Speaking of, uh, and I guess you know we're talking about this movie being dated. Can we talk about the whole video store aspect of it? Yes, kind of... <laughs> I wanted to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so she gets a full time job at a video store that requires <laughs> to work like fourteen hours a day. Apparently, right? Right. I like that. It's a very they're, demanding job. They're very busy. There's two... a lot of women there asking for recommendations right. they all day. <laughs> right. There are two full time careers because the Edward Herman he owns the video store. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. He's a huge mansion from it. Well, there's there's a hot girl that works <laughs> right. there too, though. Right. Yeah. The whole economy is of the city really hinges on this video store. Yeah. I loved that. I just thought that's one the one thing I thought, like say people that came across this, you know, younger people, they they must be like, What what right what is, what this, is this store? <laughs> right. Do they even show do they show video boxes? Do they show covers on you, the box? Well, you or see the, just like the poster of the what looks like uh, the was a kiss of the Spider Woman or whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Or? But do they actually show like you know the shelves with the videos on it? Do they show? They're kind of you know out of focus. But. Well, there was uh, one of my favorite TV shows is You're the Worst, and there was a the the season premiere. What I love about You're the Worst is it's so great, but also like they they do these really weird things, like out of nowhere. So the first episode of the season was like it started out like in the 90s about like this couple the one guy works at the video store and you see all the videos and it's just it it really hit me because it was like they did it so well and the guy it's like clerks kind of we're talking mm-hmm. about videos and what movies are the best but they did it so well and it just really made me nostalgic it almost yeah. made me sad and then so they they did a, a storyline with these two characters that aren't in the TV show, but then they related it back to the two characters are actually telling, like making up their own romantic comedy story. Anyway, it, it was amazing. And like the guy's got a big uh, video camera that he puts the big tape in. Mm-hmm. And it just, it really, you should watch that. It was so I'd good. like to see a, a super cut of just like scenes of 80s movies where they're walking through video stores. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd watch that all day long. Yeah. And I do think it's funny, like, to think, because she's always talking about how she's working so hard. And I just keep thinking, like, Diane Weiss, like, working 14 hours, just recommending, Slaving like... Slaving away at know, the video store. Maybe when I'm Brian De Palma. I mean, like, I don't know what that... I mean, that sounds like a blast. And, and, and on the boardwalk, there's vampires fucking for me. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, dream job. <laughs> so I just, I just think it's funny. But I guess back then, they were just thinking, oh, job's a job, you know? Right. But I mean, I guess like when people said like, oh, I would love to work in a bookstore. And I remember thinking, well, you're not there till one in the morning rolling out carts or whatever. <laughs> right. but, you know, like it's not oh, just yeah. reading books by the fireplace. You know? Right. So maybe that's like being a video store. Although honestly, it does seem like kind of like that. Yeah. All they sure are doing is like talking to other white women about whatever's on the counter. I mean. <laughs> right. But I think that's, you know, besides the fashion, the most dated aspect of the movie, you know, through no fault of its own. The fashion, though. Corey Hames' fashion. That's pretty awesome. Wow. Yeah. So there's one scene where he appears to be wearing a moo-moo for breakfast. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. That was a... Ma- I don't there's, remember that existing in the 80s. I don't even know if that can be considered no. dated. Yeah. That, that That's probably just Joel Schumacher. Just, right. Let's try this. <laughs> and then there's the 10-foot, you know, trench coat he wears with all the pastels. That, right. You know, right. looks like something that maybe Dracula would have worn. <laughs> right. Uh, Which, though, to their credit, the Frog Brothers kind of call him out on that. They kind of make fun of him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah. I like that he's just like, I'm fabulous. Okay. <laughs> right. Again, yeah. Yeah. Right. Not gay or anything. <laughs> <laughs> there's the carnival leather jacket. The carnival leather jacket. 
I think Kiefer has a pretty on point presentation though. I mean, what does he usually wear? Just the sort of trench long coats? trench coats, yeah. like combat boots. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's looks you know, cool. flawless, of course. Oh my gosh. Jamie Gertz looks amazing the whole time. Yeah, she's, she's like nice. those little halter yeah. tops. Diane, Diane, Diane Weiss actually looks really good the whole time. Yeah, those she little is. flower floral prints. Uh huh. It's really just Corey Haim. <laughs> it just screams like eighties the whole time. Yeah. Well, and, and so then at, then at some point, Star and Jason Patrick. I mean, they they fuck in that dirty cave. <laughs> I guess they with do. the girl, with the little kid watching. I guess. Yeah. Well, was, he definitely takes off his shirt. He definitely embraces her in his arms. Oh right, the little boy in the colonial outfit. Whatever, he was asleep. <laughs> the Civil War veteran. Yes, and then they. But wouldn't that be cool if he actually is the Civil War veteran? He's been raised in Civil War to be able to turn yeah. back into a human. Yeah, I guess they didn't, they didn't recruit kids back then. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what they did back then, Chris? But no, he was on a milk carton, though, so he's a, he's a new recruit. Oh, yes. Right, right. I was going to talk about the dinner table scene. You mean when they have, they invite Herman Munster over for dinner? Yeah. Right, yeah. Stop calling good. him Herman Munster. Edward Herman Munster. <laughs> so. Where did this joke in Pet Cemetery with the actual right. Munster? So, Corey Haim uh, figures out quite wisely, I think, that the head vampire is most likely the older character in the movie that just hired his mom to work at a video store. <laughs> uh, what was his name? Edward Herman. <laughs> <laughs> do we have, do we have any, do we have the internet here? One second. Max. Oh, Max. Well, yeah, so the dinner scene when they have, when Corey Haim invites his buddies over. Yeah. That's all well done. Yeah. I mean, straight up comedy, you know. Yeah. But it's also like they, they're they trying to work together. They're trying to solve this. I yeah. thought it was really cute. This is also the first movie or vampire movie I ever knew about the whole idea about you have to invite them in. Or you can invite them in. Oh, really? Yeah. Because this is a big thing like, you know, in Buffy and uh, mm-hmm. probably just Buffy, honestly. But, uh, but yeah, I never knew about that lore before until this movie. So that was kind of cool. Well, then we find out later that when you invite them in... You lose your powers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. In other, in other mythologies, it's just that you just... They have to be invited in, period, to even do... Well, and, and let the right one in, they have that same thing. Oh, okay. Remember? But so that whole sequence is, you know, great. We have Corey Haim, you know, trying to um, figure out if uh, Herman Monster is, you know, the head vampire. <laughs> What's his name? Max. Max. Okay, Max. Uh, and it all, you know, falls apart because he was invited in. Mm, right. So you have the great scene with the garlic that's supposed to be the... Um, the Parmesan cheese. Parmesan cheese. And it's like, well, it's just a ton of garlic. So of course, it's going to make him, you know, vomit. Uh, there's this, you know, they the great scene where they turn off all the lights and just throw a mirror in his face, you know. <laughs> Which, it's just, you know, they're all so great in that scene. You know? I think that must have been really fun to, like, shoot, I imagine. Right. And so at the same time that that scene is going on, that's when they, that Kiefer Sutherland and the vampire rock band, they <laughs> are showing that, okay, they're actually vampires. That's the first time you see them with the teeth and killing people. Right. Up to that point, it's just been implied. That's you still see, pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. That scene, uh, when I was younger, absolutely terrified me i'm sure yeah because like you said up till that point yeah there's a few scary moments and like yeah you know they're vampires and that first scene is kind of scary they they've got the kids from the car you know mm-hmm. but you don't quite know what's going on right 
but and they're not kids. Well, I mean, maybe back then you thought they were kids, but they, I mean, they're grown ups. Okay, yeah. getting it on, right? Especially the the dude. Yeah, like, but if it's got like gray hair. But if you're eight years old, you've never seen any kind of horror movie before, much right. less much. And then you, suddenly it shifts to that scene, and they're ripping people's scalps off, and like well, they show Kiefer Sutherland bite into a man's head. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty shook. <laughs> I mean, um, Kiefer Sutherland says to Michael, "You know who we are now," you know. And yeah, I, I guess that was like the first time it was revealed. It, it seemed odd to me that when we were watching it that I thought, yeah, we've known you're a vampire the whole time. Has there been a secret? But I think I, I, I always took it more as like, yeah, maybe you knew we we're vampires, but you know, like, this is what we do. Like, it's not just like mm. you know, us running around Jim Morrison posters. And, you know. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about the Jim Morrison yeah, poster. What what was the deal with that? Because well, they feature that like five different times. Okay, so this is kind of a thing. So around this time in the late eighties, there's a while where the doors sort of were kind of fallow. You know, Jim Morrison died in sixty nine and they still kinda of were popular through the maybe the mid seventies and then they kinda of went away as far as you know the pop culture went. But, you know, they kinda of became an underground cult thing again around this time for whatever reason. Which yeah, culminated in like late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, I remember they were a big thing. It's just kind of part of that. It's like, and this is part of that. It's just like Morrison was like this Kurt Cobainish kind of cool god figure, and I think it's like all it is. Okay, you know, it's just very, it's just very late eighties. It, it's just the way it was shot. So what we're talking about is that they have like a giant Jim Morrison yeah. poster. Yeah, in they're their, famous. Yeah, in his hands their, out, I suppose. Right, yeah. and their vampire lair. Yeah. I mean, well, it's I just mean, the one way of the first it's... songs is a door song, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all through the movie. Yeah. Right, yeah. I know. It's just It just seemed like an interesting or odd choice to me. It's so conspicuous the way that they film it. Like every time they zoom out of the, the vampire lair, like that's right in the center of the shot. You know, yeah, I, every I, time. I think, I think it's not like it's just off to the side. It's, yeah. There's part of our decoration. It's so my like thing on it, I think like back then when that movie came out, like it, like you'd almost not quite know who Jim Morrison was. It'd be like showing a picture of like Sid Vicious or something. You think so? Kind of. I don't know. Like they were kind of not that in the culture like they are now. Like they were brought back in a way. And, and again, it culminated in the actual movie. Like, you know, the whole college dorm poster Morrison thing was kind of a late 90s late 80s thing or mm. 80s 90s thing I had one and I, right. I think this is kind of just part of that I could be wrong but mm. okay uh, well and so these the guys that were around the bonfire they were listed as surf Nazis. surfer Nazis yeah. so were they actually like bad guys because I mean maybe that's not so bad if they're just killing bad guys I mean I guess they all kind of had like skinheads and did they they were listed as surf Nazi number one, surf Nazi number two. You sure those were those guys and not just like people at the um Pretty maybe sure. people on the carousel. Right. I don't But either so. way, there's nothing in the movie to um, to imply that these were bad guys. They were just people. They were dancing around a fire. Right. right. They were just dancing around a fire, listening to music, having a good time at the beach. Just taking some time off of work from a long day at the carousel. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that scene happens, we know who the vampires are, and then so I guess the next kind of sequence is the Corys decide we have to kill these vampires. Well, there's the there's the great scene between the brothers where where Jason Patrick wants to get in and Corey wouldn't want to let him in and in the bath, he, back in the house. In <laughs> <laughs> a Roblo shirt. <laughs> and then he finally lets him in and <clears throat> I mean that, that's kind of cute. He's like, Okay, I'm gonna help you. I have a connection, is what he says, and so he calls his buddies and then that I mean I like it I like it 
And so they get together and they decide that they're going to go down into the cave during the day. Right? Right. They, They've learned all the what they need to know from comic books? Yeah. So you know, the comic books are very convenient. They tell them everything they know. But but this is the other. This is the first other big scene I knew. So they, you know, they stab, uh, you know, Bill. Yeah. You know, and the blood gushes everywhere. I remember just being absolutely traumatized. Like, just not expecting that at all. Like, how can there be blood? But how can there be that much blood? In a human body, right? Um, much less in this movie. But what what scared me now more is that like they didn't necessarily know. Like these, they were kids, the Frog Brothers. Mm-hmm. Like if they were wrong, that, that would just be murder. <laughs> <laughs> Did they not have confirmation at this point that these Did were they? vampires? I mean, the Frog Brothers didn't. Well, see I guess them. they saw them hanging upside down, like in a cave. Well, no, but no, Jason Patrick came and told them. These guys are vampires. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, but they're all telling each other they're vampires. I mean, what? <laughs> they already thought. But Jason they were Patrick vampires. was like, "These guys murdered some people." It would be time. like you know, I told you from the first moment, second moment, you mean, I think these people are vampires next door. <laughs> but, then, but then, if we stuck into their house and they were hanging upside down with those big feet, yes, then we would stab them. I guess that would be confirmation if they saw the big feet. <laughs> It still does seem a little iffy at that point. They're not, I mean, I think I think I would need more. Than well, this. I think, but we've established at this point that the Frog Brothers—they're experts on vampire oh, culture. They—they right. they know the smell. They know what the layers like. They—they they are experienced vampire hunters. Is the True. implication? They've done this many times before. I just—it just made me nervous. Like maybe just you know, get some <laughs> maybe more. ask first. <laughs> or just like lift up their lips so you can check their right. teeth while they're sleeping. Because <laughs> they already they already failed at the dinner scene, so that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah that's a fair thing. point. Yeah. Well, yeah, but what you know, in the office when Dwight says he found a werewolf one time <laughs> and he shot it, by the time he got back to it, it turned into his neighbor's dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. One more thing: you notice when they came out of the cave and they were covered with the blood that the blood was glittery. No, I really noticed. Do you that. notice that all over their jackets no, and everything? But I saw that someone mentioned that on the IMDb thing. What yeah, in the like? sunshine, it was all glittery. The blood that was on their that, on their yeah. clothes. Yeah, that was intentional. And I was wondering if that inspired Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> he knows what inspired Stephanie Meyer. But I do love that whole sequence. That's just you know. I mean, it's not. It's kind of Goonies-ish too, going out in a cave. Yeah, it's, yeah. Did you say Goonies-ish? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. I was going to agree. Okay. <laughs> um, but the whole thing where like Kiefer like comes down, he's like, "Oh yeah, mind. it's very scary." Yeah. Uh, kind of a silly effect now, but when he gets his hand and it cuts catches on fire, I still kind of wonder like, how do they do that? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a cool scene, and I'm always reminded like this is a pretty short movie, really, but it kind of goes from that you know very fast to the the big. I yeah, see, it yeah. moves pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, yeah, so then we get to the whole like Home Alone montage. Yeah, uh, good, good choice, Home Alone montage. And so they're getting the garlic ready. They're getting they're, oh, that's so funny when they sing into the church. That was really good. I mean, that's still that's still a really yeah. funny scene. And they're getting they're just like in the holy water just a second, right. and so, then oh, it's also wondering so about there the are three vampires at this point. I was confused by that. There's only four to begin with, really. Right. For some reason, I always think there's more. So okay, there's but so the, the holy water thing. I mean, if we're saying that, then that's like. Saying that, I mean, we believe that these priests are actually like ordained by God and they made this water holy. And that means that you have to believe everything and that, that the somehow these vampires are from Satan, right? And so if you believe in vampires, you kind of have to believe in God. Well, and that's, all one of this. Cool thing, that's one of the cool things about the mythology is that you have to sort of, by accepting any one component of it, you're taking the whole. 
sort mm. of. Yeah, so they're getting the holy water ready. They're mixing it with the garlic. Because they know the vampires are coming. The vampires are coming that night. And yeah. so they have to prepare. Yeah, they're they're, yeah. they're, they're icing the, the steps. Yeah. And they're getting their irons ready to fall, right? Be great if the vampires yeah. were well, joking. Well, they, they heard Keeper Sutherland say, you know, whisper tonight. Not a great strategic they, move yeah. on Keeper Sutherland's right. part. Right. <laughs> so they marked it down and put on their iPhones. And, <laughs> and, I, and I do still like that Corey Haim, even though it sounds crazy. He still goes to his mom. And he's like, Mom, listen, the vampires yeah. are coming. We got to do this. Because I could see, like, if that was really happening to, like, Adam or Elise, you know, Brian, they mm-hmm. still would come to us and be like, guys, right. listen. And then they, they go home and they get all ready. And then we get to the final big yeah. set piece. And the thing with the dogs still drives me crazy because, A, they're trying to un- unloose the leash from the post. Just unloose the leash from the collar. The collar. Take the collar off. Problem solved. What are you doing? It just drives me crazy. Dog's I mean, okay. no, that doesn't come of it. It's just a thing. But I mean, I guess it's kind of a fun scene. But I hate it every time it happens. I always forget about it. <laughs> Fucking a nook. Yeah. But, but I was completely sold that Kiefer was the main vampire. I did not remember that. Really? Oh. So that was that was very exciting. Yeah, I remember that being a, a when I was younger a very crazy twist didn't remember that at all so the whole time i was thinking oh good so they get the main vampire and then he'll, he'll be saved too mm. no right he's the bad vampire well, so before we even get to that though the kind yes. of other two members of the vampire band they get killed <laughs> okay so who has the best death we have to talk about this because they're all oh my gosh they're, wonderful. they're all wonderful yeah. they're they really so good are. they really go out of their way to you know go out good so yeah. one guy, so the Frog Brothers fill up a bathtub with holy water, <laughs> right. knowing that they're going to lure one of these vampires into the bathroom, yeah. I guess, and they fill it with garlic him. and holy water. Silly so into the bathtub. <laughs> I'm just going to lower you in here. It's okay. Um, but yeah, so one of the vampires gets in the holy water and he just like melts. Yeah, that and he destroys crazy. their plumbing, man. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, he goes on for an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah, so he melts into the bathtub, and then water just starts, blood water starts exploding <laughs> out of every single sink and toilet in the entire house. Even just pipes, it's random wonderful. pipes. Yeah. Right. That it's was pretty great. great. And then uh, the next guy. kind of my favorite death. Because when he gets shot with the. Keeps going, but. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So the other guy, um, he's coming after Corey Haim. Corey Haim's got a bow and arrow. And he shoots the, the vampire. First, he pretends like he shoots him, and then he has to shoot him again. But anyway. It doesn't really make sense for the vampire to pretend to be hit. I don't quite get that. <laughs> no. But, Psych, you know. Yeah, but I don't quite understand that. <laughs> right. Because so it seems like he shoots just... him again. And it, what is it? Pinning him up against the, the stereo? stereo? Right, the right. Yeah. yeah, the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> and his head blows off. <laughs> yeah. And his arms fall off. Because <laughs> the electricity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you asked me when I was eight years old, I would say that was the best death. And the right. death by serial thing, I used to think that was the funniest thing I've ever heard. I mean, <laughs> just so clever. Yeah. He, get, he got he got killed by serial. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but and so, but so after those two, you kind of at least I was thinking, okay, what's how are they going to get Kiefer Sutherland? Because they've kind of built this up, where it's like, <laughs> wow, these last two have been amazing. What kind of amazing death are they going to have for Kiefer Sutherland? Got some antlers over and here. And he just, you know, just kind of stabbed him with some antlers. He I do think that, there but was no I, I like that death. I think that's, I mean, it's the most emotional death. 
And I mean, when it, when, after they show him after his vampire face goes away, he looks like a little baby. He does look he like does. a little baby. He's like 12 years old. I know. Yeah, it's it's very so sad. sad. The Lost Boys. Yeah. It's very sad. Oh my gosh. Edward Herman stole them. Yeah. yeah. Brand. I'm turning red. I'm so sad. That's him. There's nothing I can do. <laughs> I'm not adopting the vampires. I don't care what's happened to them. I do think, I think the scariest scene in the movie, though, is when, you know, all serious aside, is when, or all kidding aside, is <laughs> when uh, uh, he, uh, you know, they, so they kill the death by steroid guy, and then Kiefer, like, pops down with his face, <laughs> like, upside down. Uh-huh. Kind of like Dracula. Yeah, though. yeah. Uh, he's like, bleh. What? <laughs> and then they fight in the air. And it's it's kind of cool, you know, because, you know, Anakin Skywalker has his attitude going, and like, uh, and Keith like fighting him back, and they're just—I just love them floating back and forth between the living room. <laughs> yeah. Well, then they kind of do the same thing. I guess that's a vampire thing where you just die and run at each yeah. other and fight, and then Edward Herman obviously comes and it's kind of like Dracula too. He just wants yeah. to make his family. He wants her to come with him. And they so want- to me, that was the scariest part, or at least when I was younger. Um, Edward Herman Max's like when he turns around and he's a vampire he's got a cool looking vampire yeah, look scary. to him he has a freaky looking face I wouldn't not have mind to see Diane West's vampire face you know mm. oh that would upset me but I do like how like quiet it is like the one of the scariest things about it is like that scene the last five minutes right there's no real music to right it. so when when Edward uh Herman walks up to Kiefer like you think in another movie there'd be this big you know kind of like dun 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 you know type thing but just very quiet and he's like you know, kind of looking at him and he kind of knows something's off and right. it's just very well done it just kind of yeah it, and it's also totally different from what's kind of happened before suddenly it's like much more serious uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh I don't know I just, I just love this movie so much can we talk about it <laughs> Also, we haven't talked about, though, what happens to Max. Grandpa, he's a... So Max is about to take the mom because she just kind of... She doesn't really fight it too much. She's just kind of like... Well, she's going to give herself up for her I got to keep this job at the video store, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I have to do. (laughs) Because I'll be a vampire mom. (laughs) This is a... And so then you hear the dad says his horn honking. And he runs into his own house because he knows right. something's going on in and there. And he's got all those spikes already up there. On right. The- he has and Jason Patrick knows he needs to jump off the, you know, the balcony or whatever right. and right. do something. Position Max yeah. in just the right spot. Yeah, kind of screams the- a little bit. Right. That was pretty cool, though, the grandpa. I yeah, liked yeah, it. That's great. I love it. I love yeah. it. And he kind of like, it was kind of like the end of arachnophobia where he gets like, the thing come the yes, nail comes yeah, out yeah, into the yeah. spider and into the yeah. fire and so he the thing comes out and goes through Ed Herman and yeah well you know he was he working on his fins the, the whole time so it kind of makes sense but I don't know why they would launch missiles he's but. he's making them into spikes I and mean, he knows what he's doing yeah and then he goes over to his refrigerator and gets gets his brew beer that's great yeah, yeah and then he has that great line yeah. at the end which I don't remember what it is but basically all the damn vampires yeah. right close to the refrigerator door and the lights go out on everybody just like what. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's if you don't ending. just watch this movie and enjoy it, let yourself enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. Watch that greasy man play the saxophone and enjoy it. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, look at that poster of Rob Lowe. Corey Haim's clothes. Yeah, enjoy. Oh those. yes, enjoy it. It's great. Yeah, I don't know how you cannot watch this movie and uh, not enjoy it. I, don't, I I can get how you wouldn't be scared by it, I guess. But uh, but you know, one, easily one of the best 
teen horror movies of the 80s, <laughs> if that's a thing. Do we have any final thoughts? I switched to a peanut butter chocolate stout beer, and it is delicious. It's by uh, Catawaba Brewing Company. I also wouldn't mind a montage of every time in the 80s someone says to someone else that you're dead meat. Yes. That was such an 80s line. It really is. you're dead meat. Yeah. I remember saying that a lot to my my siblings. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I was looking at the box office for this just to see. So this was kind of a hit. Yeah, I thought it was. I mean, the budget of, of it for it was $8.5 million. It made $32 million. Okay. That sounds like a pretty big hit. Pretty big, yeah. It. it opened number two to The Living Daylights, which I think was a Bond movie. Yeah, yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, I do know that the soundtrack was also like a big hit, which is... Well, yeah, we've <laughs> had some words about it. A great that. soundtrack controversy. <laughs> Okay, so I did find a true crime that I want to tell you guys about that reminds me of The Lost Boys. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so this is the story of Rod Farrell and his vampire clan. Why are you laughing? Because you said Rod Farrell and his vampire clan. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's start with the murders, and we'll get that over with, okay? So on November 25th, 1996, in Eustis, Florida... The, this daughter found her mother and father murdered in their home. Her father, 49-year-old Richard Wendorf, was beaten to death asleep on the couch. Uh, he was found beat multiple times with a crowbar, his skull fractured, ribs fractured, and found the letter V burned into his skin. Her mother, Naomi Ruth Queen, was beaten and her head bashed in. All right, that's the bad part, Brian, okay? Ugh. Now we're going to go back a bit. Is there a good part? No, there's no good part. Mm -hmm. But that's the worst part. Mm -hmm. All right, so we're going to go back to a young man named Roderick Justin Farrell, known as Rod. So Rod was from Murray, Kansas. Uh, his mom was a bit of a mess. Uh, she was arrested when she was 34 for trying to seduce a 14-year-old. She was also into the dark arts. Dark arts, they talk about that in the, the book series I was telling you guys about. Oh, my gosh. That I'm reading. Uh, now, Rod thought he was a vampire. Why? Well, he named himself Vasago. Now, see, that's a little bit better than it's, Michael and David. Yeah, it is. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, he named himself Vasago, which is presumably based on the name Vasago, who is third in command of Satan's army. Third? I don't hear much about him. Yeah. So eighth in command was who, Chris? George. Payam? Payam, yeah. But he still missed the name up, but anyway. Uh, so he was... Uh, this is one of the few examples, and this was like in the late or mid-90s, you know, when goth kids were kind of... They didn't know if they were actually satanic, you know? It was kind of like when Paradise Lost happened and stuff like that. But Rod was uh, the few examples of where a goth kid is actually dangerous. He believed he was 500 years old. He was obsessed with death and blood and horror and Satan. Uh, so kind of like me and Chris, but <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't take it to the We didn't talk about Satan, but whatever. Yeah, that's true. 
At one point, he carved an upside down cross on his chest. I mean, I saw this, yeah. Yeah, we did that the other night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He was expelled from school in ninth grade for using LSD and marijuana. He would inject heroin and cocaine at the same time. Hmm. It didn't go well. I'm not sure that's possible, but it sounds like a badass. (laughs) So he decided to start a cult, and he named it the Vampire Clan, where you had to drink his blood. At one point, it grew to about 25 people, and it seemed like most of them thought that it was just like a crazy teenage group, you know? Like it was just an extreme role-playing game. LARPing. Yeah. (laughs) They went a little bit further. I mean, obviously, they're they're drinking blood, but they're also just feeling that this is just... (laughs) You want a stupid fucking game. (laughs) LARP. (laughs) They met in an abandoned building, which reminded Larping. me of the the Lost Boys. It was a called they they called it the Vampire Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> if you see these are pictures of it where they've like graffitied all over it. It's there's a Vampire giant poster Hotel. of Jim Morrison. Oh god. <laughs> no, not so really, awesome. but yeah. it's pretty much the same thing. They would meet there for their um rituals. Yeah. Worms. Like <laughs> Lighting candles and whatnot. Um, new members had to drink Rod's blood and have a small V burned into their body. But it's then, pretty, bra- pretty badass, though. I mean, make people drink your blood. I mean, that's that is pretty tough. That is some power. That, that's why it is. I wonder cult. how you do that. Though. Do you? How I much? guess get your blood drained like professionally and like how is that? <laughs> I was wondering too. Like, how much blood do they have to drink? Like a syringe at them or something? Or like, and there's 25 people you said, so they all had to drink his blood. Well, when they were initiated, right? When they were made, you know what I mean? Right. But so, how much blood do they have to drink? You can't do that much blood in one day. So, can you only have one new initiation every week? Because you have to can't lose that much blood at a time. Oh, maybe it's just imagine just kind of corner like having like cookies and like get the refill with get his blood sugar back up. <laughs> Hold on, Basago has to have his cookie. <laughs> Give him some orange juice. <laughs> Go ahead. All right, but the, so then it started to get serious. They started wanting to hurt animals, sacrifice small animals for their rituals. That's how it starts, right? Yeah. And then one of Rod's childhood friends named Heather Wendorf, she, was, she wanted to join his cult. They were up in Kansas, and she was down in... Florida. And so Rod and his friends, uh, Howard, Scott Anderson, Charity Keese, and Dana Cooper go to pick her up, right? Uh, so they get down there and they sneak into her house and Rod grabs a crowbar, just, you know, in case. But then when he gets in there, he says that he felt this this overcoming need to kill her parents. So he... He sees Mr. Windorf sleeping on the couch, and then Ruth comes in, and they attack both of them and leave them for dead. Then they fled to Baton Rouge. The daughter comes home and finds them, and so she's actually arrested for the murder, thinking that there's some connection. But uh, Rod keeps bragging about the murder. She's, like, taunting the police, telling them that he's, like, so powerful and they can't ever catch him because he's 500 years old and he's going to live forever. And so they ended up uh, somehow cornering them and arresting this this crew 
There's four of them, right? Just like in the Lost Boys. Yes. Do they look like a rock band? Well, they are. They are totally goth, like mid '90s black spiked hair, heavy Earl makeup. Manson. Yeah. Um. So they're all arrested. The daughter Heather is eventually. She didn't know what was going on. She just thought it'd be cool to join a vampire clan. She didn't know. She probably went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so the trial was actually quite a spectacle, especially like if you think about in the mid nineties when, I mean, the satanic panic of the eighties was kind of over, but then the goth kids kind of came back in. And then again, you had like paradise lost and these types of things where people were scared again about these goth kids and Marilyn Manson. And this was actually trying to actually proving it all, which is, yeah, I mean, this is the outlier where people think this is the actual, this is what everybody does who are goth kids. But anyway, so, but Rod took responsibility. He said that him and Scott were the ones who did the murders, not the girls. So Howard Scott got life and the girls got time for third degree murder. Rod Farrell, who was only 16 at the time, received the death sentence. He was the youngest person on death row for a bit, but then his sentence was commuted to 2,000 years in prison. So, but that's good for him because he's a vampire. So when he gets out, he'll only be like 2,500 years old, right? So he's still alive? He's still in prison. Yeah, so maybe it's, maybe it's all true. But he's still crazy. Uh, I watched some interviews with him, and he is very clear about everything still. He still believes he's a vampire. He, still be- he, he was very clear that vampirism is not Satanism. It's separate than that. It's- so he was 16 when he did all this? Yeah. Good Lord. But it was—it really says something that it's not something that he like grew out of. It's clearly a mental disorder, and he was just a cult leader, just very young. I wonder if they did give him the death penalty, would like all the plumbing explode in the prison? <laughs> do you think? <laughs> For hours and hours. <laughs> That'd be cool. Other characters that were unrelated to the plot just come in and they see plumbing exploding. Like, <laughs> oh god, what a great movie. <laughs> it was really fun but Rod Farrell is not fun but luckily he's in prison forever yeah okay alright well so that is our episode Brian's falling asleep into his microphone he has had like two glasses of wine he has got to get to bed it's midnight I will say having Brian here definitely kicked things into the, the uh, you know another level so who needs to come is that back? good? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was great Thank you. That's fun. So you think about what movie you want to be on next, okay? Yeah. I'll be on any of them, as long as it's not too scary. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a problem. <laughs> oh, so you're going to keep on with the horror thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not just a phase you're going through. Mm. Next week is Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do that? <laughs> Lieutenant Dan, he's kind of scary. <laughs> All right. Those legs. I guess we could do like light, light horror movies like Gremlins and... Beetlejuice and I'd, I'd like to try something something scarier. Ooh, <laughs> I've seen what what was I was thinking we saw that the Michael Haneke movie. Remember, um, they redid it. Oh, Funny Games. Yeah, that was fucked seriously up. like that's where you go to. Like that's like the scariest thing ever. I mean, yes, I yeah, that, that was that. that was I, I remember that being kind of like one of your like fuck this. What am I dealing with my life? This yeah, is, I, this don't know, is, I don't know if I can do that. I, that was the original one. We could maybe watch the like the remake with Naomi. Watts. I watched the remake. I could barely do it. Is it pretty much the same? 
I haven't seen the original. Oh. I've only seen the remake, and I can't do the original is what I'm saying. Is Michael Pitt in both so, of them? I'm no. the badass. So. I'm the badass. All right. Well, and so again, of course, our, our great theme song is by our friend Gabby Watts. And you can follow her on Instagram at Gabby Rotts, G-A-B-B-I-E-R-O-T-T-S. And we still want you guys to reach out to us and tell us what movies we should do and follow us on all of our social medias. And subscribe and rate and review. I always forget that. That's the most important thing. Subscribe and rate and review. Yeah, it takes like 10 seconds maybe. Hit the app, find us, five stars. I like this. Enter. Yeah. And again, if you say something super mean, but it's clever enough that it's interesting, we'll read it. Yes. Or at least, I mean, on air or whatever you call it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll read it anyway. I'll cry. <laughs> but I'll read it on the podcast. So. And then we'll also, hopefully we can have a cool giveaway. I'm thinking about some good, maybe a pet cemetery embroidery. Especially, we got, we got to get something for the new movie coming out in March. All right. Well, Brian, thanks to you for being here. Thank hey, you. thanks you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for being here again. Yes. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I feel this is one of our best episodes. I'm very happy. So, yay. Yay. Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.